Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for Kingdom Rock Radio, located right here in beautiful Bremen, Georgia. Well, in today's message, we're going to start a whole new series, and this series is entitled The Power of the Blood of Jesus. This would be part number one. In this series, we're going to learn about the power, the importance, and the application of the blood of Jesus in the life of the modern-day Christian. I know it's going to be a blessing to you and to your family. Don't forget to share the series with a friend. To find out more information, just go to our website at kingdomrock.org, and you can click on the Power of the Blood series right there on the homepage. Well, without any further ado, I want to bring you this message entitled, The Power of the the Blood blood of of Jesus, Jesus, part number one, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Praise God, we've entered the classroom experience. We have, we really have. You know, you can go to church for years and still not understand anything, and still not learn anything. Here you go, today we're going to talk about really the power of the blood. All right, not your blood, but the blood of Jesus. Okay? I want you to see this. Let's go to Genesis, the fourth chapter, Genesis 4, and I'm going to read... um, Verses 1, really 1 through 11. Now, I want you to see this. Now, we, we've spoken a little bit about this. This is where Cain and Abel is here, right? And, and the sacrifice, but we're going to go on a little bit further today. Genesis 1, rather Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Are you there? And it says this. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain... And said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Oh, she's so excited. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, we've said before, we already understood that uh, Cain and Abel already knew the pattern uh, the pattern for sin offerings. This was a sin offering. Remember, the first pattern is when God made Adam and Eve a, a coat, uh, a, gave them some skin to wear from an animal. You know, there was a shedding of blood there, right? Uh, remember, in the beginning, Adam and Eve had a glory covering. They were covered in the glory of God, which meant that they were in the perfect will of God. Okay. They forsook that, and then God had to make them another covering, a temporary covering, until he could restore them fully. So this is where the Lord begins that redemptive plan, or really continues that redemptive plan, the the shedding of blood to cover his people, the shedding of blood for the remission of sin, or the shedding of blood to get people back in right standing with God, okay? The, uh, The innocent will die that the guilty be made right. Okay? All right, so here we are. Here's the pattern. All right, we'll we'll stop. Okay, verse number four. And Abel also brought of the uh, firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but 
unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. All right. Abel offered of the sheep, right? Blood was shed. A picture of the redemptive process, what God was going to do in Christ thousands of years later. And you're going to find this all throughout the Old Testament. God was showing them a picture of what Jesus Christ was going to do. So the Lord had respect to uh, Abel's offering, had respect because blood was shed. Someone died, an innocent died, that the guilty could go free. Are you with me? All right. But it said to Cain's offering, uh, the Lord did not respect. Why? Because there was no shedding of blood. Are you hearing? There was no shedding of blood. There's no shedding of blood in turnips or in um, grain or in wheat. There is no shedding of blood. So the Lord did not respect that because it was not a picture of what Jesus Christ or shadow or symbol of what Jesus would do in the future. Are you hearing? All right. So it says here in Genesis 4, 6, it says here, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, or why are you mad? And why is thy, con- thy continence fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not, rather, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? In other words, Cain, you know what to do. If you just do what is right, you will be accepted. Look at this key. Doing what is right will give you acceptance. Well, what is right in this context? Getting that animal, the blood of the, that animal, the blood of the sacrifice shed on the altar would give him acceptance. Do you see that? All right, let's look a little further. He said, uh, if thou doest well, uh, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou uh, doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. There's more that we're not getting to that. Verse 8 says, And Cain talked, to, talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and what? And slew him, and killed him. All right? Now, here, now we're about to get into gear as we talk about the blood, the power of the blood. Are you ready? All right. Verse number nine. So we see verse eight, Cain has killed his brother. First recorded murder in scripture. Okay. All right. Verse nine says, and Lord said unto Cain, where is thy brother? Rather, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I don't know. I don't know where he is. Why are you asking me? He says, am I my brother's keeper? He's in sin now. Remember that sin that was lying at the door, that desire to have him? Now it is producing lying to God. Now Cain is lying to the face of God. Cain, where's your brother? Well, I don't know. Why are you asking me? Am I his keeper? Am I his babysitter? What's up with that? There's a little attitude going on here. Can you see? Can you hear his attitude? Am I my brother's keeper? Go find him if you want him. But look at verse 10. And he said, what hast thou done? Now, does God know what he did? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Remember, when God asks you a question, or especially in Scripture, when he asks a question, it's not that he doesn't know. He's trying to spark a reaction in you. He's trying to bring something to your attention. 
What have you done? Like he asked Adam and Eve, Adam, where are you? After Adam saying, you think God didn't know where Adam was in the garden? Where are you, Adam? Where are you? He's trying to make Adam realize, hey, I am hiding from God. How useless is this? Are you hearing? So the Lord asked Cain a question. He says, what have you done? Listen, this is very important. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. We're going to stop there. He said, your brother's blood is crying out to me. Now, Abel is dead. Dead as dead can be. He is gone. His soul has departed the body. Cain probably went and hid the body somewhere. Killed it. I doubt he just left, left it. I doubt if he just left his body laying in the field. He probably killed him, dug a hole, put it in the ground, covered it up, and went about his way. He's probably over there doing some work in the field because he's a tiller of the ground. Right? God comes to him. Where's your brother? I don't know. He's, he, I guess he may be figuring, I must have done a good job at hiding him if God asked me where he is. I must have done a pretty good job at this. Am I my brother's keeper? Why are you asking me? He says, your brother's blood is crying out to me. Let's look at that. He says, your brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, Abel is dead, but yet his blood still speaks. Understand something. The blood speaks. The blood speaks. Are you hearing? He's dead, but his blood is still talking. He's gone, but his blood is still talking. Now, here again, the soul of Abel is gone. Right? Body, I'm sure, decaying. Can't do anybody anything. But his blood is still yelling and screaming from the earth. All right? Now, let's look at something in the book of Hebrews. I want to show you this for a second. Let's go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, Hebrews 12. If you talk about the power, the power of the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 12. When you get to Hebrews 12, we're going to look down a little bit. Let's start at verse number 23, Hebrews 12, verse 23, as we talk about the power of the blood. And why is this important to us? Here again, Abel's spirit gone, his his soul gone, just his body remains buried in the ground. There's the doornail, can't talk, but his blood is still speaking even though he is gone. His blood is still speaking and is active. Speaking and is active. Talking to who? Talking to God. About who? About Cain. About the one that had slain him. Now let's grab a hold of this. This is really important. Abel dead. Buried. Body. 
spirit, soul, separated, gone away somewhere. God did not say your brother's soul is crying to me. He did not say your brother's spirit is crying to me. He did not say your brother sent me a text message and said that you killed him. He did not say your brother left me a note. He did not say in his dying words, a bird came up and whispered in his ear and he told the bird and bird. No, he said his blood is speaking. What was left behind is speaking. Speaking about what? Speaking about you, Cain, speaking and asking for vengeance. Okay, the blood of Abel was speaking, crying out for vengeance. My brother killed me. Do something about this. Okay, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse 23. It says to the general assembly of the of the uh, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Look at verse 24. And to Jesus, this, this is our power verse right here, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, we'll talk about that, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Okay? The blood of sprinkling. Blood of sprinkling. What is that about? The blood of sprinkling talked about the high priest taking the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkling it before really take his fingers and dip it in the blood and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat of God. This is the blood of sprinkling, the blood of sacrifice, where a sacrifice, uh, a lamb or bullock or goats died so that an innocent being, so that the guilty, the guilty people of Israel, the the guilty people of God can go free. Okay. He says that there is a blood that was sprinkled that speaks of better things than that of Abel. Let me read this for you out of the New Living Translation. I love the way this reads. Listen to how it says it here. It says, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. In a nutshell, that's exactly what it's talking about. What's the power? Abel's blood cried out vengeance. Kill them for killing me. Punish him for killing me. Even though Abel is gone, his blood was still, his blood still remained on the earth and was crying out to God. Jesus Christ, his body is gone into heaven. The Lord took his body with him. You can't find him anywhere. His spirit soul gone with him into heaven. Can't find it. You can't find the earth because it's with him in heaven. Why? How do we know that? Because he rose from the grave the third day. Bodily, physically rose from the, the, the grave. That's why they couldn't find his body in the tomb because he actually physically rose from the dead. Okay. But what did he leave behind? His blood. His blood was shed. Every time they whipped him in the back with the whip, blood was shed. When they put that crown of thorns upon his head, blood was shed. 
when they nailed him in his, in his hands or wrists and his feet upon the cross, blood was shed. When they took the spear and they poked him in his side, blood was shed. All of that blood. He didn't take his blood with him. That blood was shed where? Upon the earth. Blood was shed upon the earth. Now, Abel's blood. Abel is gone. Body gone. Soul gone. Spirit gone. But his blood still cried out to God. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, body, soul, spirit, now in heaven. But his blood still remains on the earth. And now, but the difference between the blood of Abel and the blood of Jesus is that the blood of Abel cried out vengeance. The blood of Jesus cries out mercy and salvation and forgiveness. It is the blood of Jesus that is now speaking on your behalf. Don't you understand that? The blood of Jesus shed all the way over there in the Israel, all the way over there on uh, Golgotha, Calvary's Hill, all the way over there is speaking about you right now. Speaking about better things for you, deliverance and, and healing and salvation and everything that you're supposed to receive in the kingdom of God. It is talking for you right now. Isn't that something? And even forensics people will tell you blood is a hard thing to clean up. They can wipe it off if they want to and all that stuff. But blood has a very distinctive smell, number one. It stains. It's not so easily removed. And even though you bring in, they bring in special equipment and they beam it on the wall, they can still see there's blood on this. There's blood on that. Blood will still cry out. Not easily removed. Stains. And the blood of Jesus stained the earth. Doesn't matter if there's a, uh, up on that spot right now, there's something over there now, or let's say the dust and dirt has covered it from years on by. It doesn't matter. The blood is, is still reached the earth and it is still crying out better things for you and better things for me. The power of the blood of Jesus. Isn't that something? Amen. Let me read that one more time out of the New Living Translation. The latter part says, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus cries out for forgiveness. For forgiveness. Isn't that wonderful? And when you come into the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and you receive him as your Lord and as your Savior, not only does he give you his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live on the inside of you, not only does he give you wisdom from on high, not only does he give you his word and he leads you day by day in the earth, not only does he give you a church and pastors and leaders who will feed you with wisdom, knowledge and understanding, but his blood is also speaking about you. The Bible says that Jesus is interceding for us. He's praying for us right now, talking to the father about you right now. And he, so he's a witness in heaven and he left his own blood in the earth as also a witness. Amen. Don't you understand how covered you are right now? Because of his blood that he left behind? He left those two things behind. His blood on the earth and he left his spirit. 
Remember he told the disciples or the apostles, go tarry ye at Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And as the day of Pentecost um, came upon them there, that the Holy Spirit came down as of a sound of a mighty rushing wind and clothing tongues of fire set upon their head. The Holy Spirit of God is here. He is a resident, if you will, the resident God in the earth. The Holy Spirit is here and he's among us and living in these earthen vessels. We thank God for the presence of his spirit. Amen. So he left us his blood and he left us his spirit that we be maintained in the earth realm till the day we can see him face to face. Power of the blood, the power of the blood. Now Let me show you some other things here. These are some wonderful things. Let's go to Romans, Romans, the eighth chapter. And over the next few weeks, Lord willing, we're really going to get into what the Bible talks about, about the uh, sprinkling of blood. We're going to talk about the atonement. Uh, we're going to talk about the difference between a sin offering and a burnt offering and why that's uh, important for you to know and to understand. Because all of these things are foundational to your Christianity and how you associate uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. All these things, the sin offering, the burnt offering, all the Old Testament, it all points to Jesus. And if you can understand the shadow, because that's all that is in the Old Testament, as a shadow of what Jesus Christ would do. If you can understand the shadow, you'll be better to understand the full picture. You understand? Some say, well, I want to, we don't live in the Old Testament. I don't want to, I don't have learned that. I don't have learned that. Yes, you do. If you understand the old, you can comprehend the new. You understand? I mean, I've had a lot of cell phones. I've had a lot of cell phones. And me understanding one after the other has helped me to understand the new. You, anybody understand what I'm talking about? Anybody have a lot of computers? Or something like that. It, understanding those old things help you to understand the new. Understanding how to drive your first car help you understand how to drive the car you have now. Are you with me? Understanding the old helps you understand the new. Praise the Lord. In my first cell phone and all that stuff. Having all that helps me to understand the new. I don't want to cover up the name of the phone. I don't want to get my endorsements unless you pay me. Praise the Lord. Helps me understand the new. Helps me understand the smartphone, the, the, the technology. Understanding the old helps me to understand the new. Praise Jesus. All right. But we understand that, right? All right. So as we understand the old, we'll understand better the new. And you'll actually have a better appreciation. Let's go for a little bit more and then we'll close out today. Is that okay with you? All right, we're in a classroom environment now. Why? Because we want you to learn the word of God. And as you understand the old, you have a deeper appreciation for the new. Okay, and your walk with God will actually change. Your countenance will change as you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you. All right, Romans 8, verse number 1, it says, there, this is out of the King James Version. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now we'll find that this verse has two different connotations. Walking after the flesh, meaning walking by your carnal desires, 
but also walking by the flesh points right back into the Old Testament that is walking by the law, walking by the things of the law and not following after Christ. We'll look at that. Verse number two says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak. Now we're going to understand this. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemn sin in the flesh. That's powerful. This, you need to really meditate on verse number three. All right, class, let me write that down for you. Praise the Lord. Let me write that down for you. You need to meditate on Romans, the eighth chapter. Uh-oh, eighth chapter, that's right. Verses, we can say verses one through, for right now, I'm going to say one through six, and with a special emphasis on verse number three. Okay. Meditate on that word. Read that word over and over again and ask God to give you more and more wisdom and insight about this. It will help you and it will change your life. Verse 3 says again, for what the law could not do, the law talking about the sacrificial system that God set up of uh, killing the blood, uh, taking the blood of the goats and, and the lambs and the turtle doves, uh, the sacrificial system involving the animals, all of that could not do it says for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh we're going to really talk about that because really because of this the bible says that sin hath no more dominion over us it has no more control over us dominion meaning that sin should not dominate the believer we shouldn't be dominated by sin in mind, body, or the soul. Are you with me? Definitely not the spirit because that's where the Holy Spirit dwells. But you know, believers can still be bound by sin, but it is not God's fault. It, it is that particular person's fault that they are bound. Why? Because they have not, uh, really because they are living in flesh, living by the law, and not living by the spirit. If you live by the spirit of God, and we're going to really talk and get into all that. Uh, if you live by the spirit of God, then the law uh, of the, then the law of, rather, then that law of sacrificial system has been broken. Okay, the Lord has set us free from the law of sin and death. Verse number four, I said, um, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse five, for they that are, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are of the spirit, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now we're going to begin to close. Verse three is going to be our key verse that will lead us really into Leviticus, the book of Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16, which is really, really big. Which is really big. In Leviticus, we're going to talk about this and then we'll close. One of the biggest words we'll see is this one. Let me make sure I write it nice and pretty for you. Praise the Lord. All right. Here we go. A-T-O-N... 
E M E N T. Say atonement. You know what atonement is? Breaks down to this. What's that word? At one mint. At one mint. Making you at one with God. That's the atonement. Making you. What is the atonement? What does that mean? Making me at one with God. Because prior to the atonement, here again, in the in the Garden of Eden, here's God and man. Hey, man, they're there. They're one. Praise God. We're here fellowshipping. I'm loving you, Lord. I love you. You love me, Lord. I love you, too. I love you, too. I love you, too. Adam and God walking in the cool of the day every day. Oh, I'm sure everything's alive with roses, you know, and all that stuff. Having a good time. Good time. But then when sin came along, when Adam and Eve sinned, there became a breaking a breaking away. Okay? God said, okay, look, Adam, I love you, but if I stay around you, my holiness will kill you because you got all that sin on you. Okay? I am holiness perfection. If I hang around you, you're going to die. So I've got to find a way. Well, the Lord already knew what he was going to do before he created Adam and Eve in the first place. We're going to look at that, God willing. But there was a separation, a wall, a middle wall of petition put between God, man. And that wall was called sin there. Block, block, man. All right. Between God and man, sin was in the middle. Okay. But the atonement, the at one brought us back into proper fellowship with God. Jesus said, I'm, we are in him and he is in us and he is in the father. Praise the Lord. One that we may be one in him. Okay. Brought us back into oneness, the atonement. So we're going to talk about the atonement and sin offering and the burnt offering and how that applies to us. If we learn what the shadow means, we'll also learn how to uh, respect also the new. So we're going to get into that. And a lot of verse three talks about Leviticus 16. So if you want to read ahead, go right ahead. Praise God. You're going to get you're going to get a really good understanding about the sprinkling of the blood. And we're going to talk about that on next time. I pray you heard the word of God today. We're going to close out right there in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.